0: you're at Northside we're talking about being all in it has been mentioned several times and uh, today I'm more excited than a squirrel in a nut factory if I can just be quite honest because we have got a lot of things going and it's going to take some time kind of getting it together but we're going to we're going to have a great time and excited to see how God uses this morning you're going to be excited about it too gentlemen if you want to bring up those notes otherwise this sermon is going to be kind of long as I extemporaneously try to tell you what a Prepared to tell you, oh yeah, okay, in 2019 we're talking about all in, and for the past four weeks we've been talking about this theme of all in. Our theme verse has been the key text of Mark 12, 28 through 31, as we've done every week, we'll ask you to read along with me, Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31, I'll read the words in black, if you'll read the words in red. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And so for the past three weeks, we've been talking, uh, four weeks, we've been talking about what it means to love God, to be all in, to trust him with full obedience, loving God with all our heart and our soul, as we talked about this morning, as Clayton uh, shared this morning in the elders report, that when you're moved by God to do something, you don't just sit on it, you don't just wait, you move. In obedience to him, loving God with all your mind means making sure that the field of your mind is carefully guarded and that what you plant in there, whether it be people or thoughts or entertainments or attitudes, uh, all of that must be planted very carefully because everything you plant will result in exactly what you harvest later on. And last week we talked about loving God with all your strength. And how we've all, every single person here has been given gifts. There's no question in that. You all have strengths and abilities for sure. The question, though, is whether you'll use your gifts, your abilities, your strengths to glorify him and to build up the body or if you'll just use those for yourself. So all of that is very good. But can I just be frank with you, I know you normally call me Toby, but if I could just be frank with you this morning, all of that is concerning someone we cannot see or touch or hear. All of the four commands are important, don't misunderstand, but they're directed to one we can't see. The second command is what Jesus says is also important. It's Clyde tied closely to the first we can't have one without the other today's focus is by putting our love for god heart soul mind strength into practice with other people and that's a challenge it's a challenge because what we're talking about today is not just with us god's going to have to do something that i call transforming the circle to do that i need to Grab some teens. Thank you, gentlemen, for sitting on the front row. As you always do, please stand up. And what I want you to do, guys, is come here in the aisle. And I want you to be, we talked this morning about the youth ministry and all that's going on with that. I want you to to form sort of a a representation of the youth group. So if you just make a circle. We've never been good at making circles. (laughs) It's just not within our DNA at Northside. Now, what I told them to do is, is, is make a circle. What they did was instinctively make a circle that's turned inward. We all would do that. It is not just picking on teens, but when we make a circle, when I say make a group, it naturally tends to focus inward on one another. Now that's nothing wrong with that. They're going to get encouragement and built up and, and being lifted up and encouragement and edification, all those things that we talked about. But the problem is when I get someone, come here, who wants to be in the group and he comes to the group, what does he see? He sees closed. He doesn't see any opportunity. And now, now these may, may be very nice guys. I'm not saying these are... But, but, but the unintended consequences in making a circle is sometimes somebody's left out of the circle. And they, the, the, maybe even the people in the circle are not even aware that there's someone outside the circle who wants to be in the circle. And so to change, to transform how we love our neighbor, it's important for us to think about transforming the circle. You can have a seat for just a moment. Now I want to ask you guys to do a complete 180. Just right where you stand, just do a complete 180. You're forming a circle, but it's an outward-focused circle. We're still connected together, but we're looking together. Now, if you guys could just take one step out. You're still connected, you're still in a circle, but you're looking outwardly, and you're leaving room for others to join and connect in the group. In the church, in the body, the reason these two commands are so essential is first you have to have a circle that loves God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength, and you have to have a circle that's outward looking, looking at their neighbor, and while that makes a cool illustration, that is easier said than done. Gentlemen, have a seat. As we think about transforming our circle, I want to not give you an illustration, I want to tell you a story, but it's not originally my story, it's Jesus' story. You'll find it in Luke chapter 10, chapter, chapter 10, verse 25, if you're using one of the Pew Bibles, you'll turn to page 1,115, and I'm going to read for you this well-known story, I hope you'll follow along, Luke chapter 10, Verses 25 through 37, known as the parable of the good Samaritan. Behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. He understood the all in concept. He got the greatest commands. But the scripture says this. But he desiring to justify himself and to Jesus. You can almost get the sense that there's just a just one more follow up. Uh, Who. Is my neighbor. You see, to to us, we in 21st century, as Gentiles, don't pay much attention to that. But the Jewish teachers and the laws and the scribes and the Pharisees, they debated on this concept of neighbor. Who was your neighbor? They knew you were supposed to love your neighbor, but who was that? The prevailing wisdom at the time was that a neighbor was the righteous people. It wasn't the Gentiles. It wasn't the Samaritans. There was some debate as to even whether or not that included women. There was Jesus, this lawyer, was pulling him into a bed. Yes, I know I love my neighbor, but who does that entail? And so Jesus tells this story, well known. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by. On the other side, you see, in the priest's mind, he would have been loving his neighbor, but that guy didn't qualify as his neighbor, so he had no responsibility. So likewise, when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side, the the priest and the Levite both knew the law, memorized the law, knew the commands, just as this lawyer did. And very likely, they did the very same thing the lawyer would have done, And, and considering themselves righteous by the law. Because that person clearly didn't fit into the category of what qualified as a neighbor. But a a Samaritan, by the way, they would not have considered a Samaritan a neighbor. As he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, which is about two days wages and gave him to the innkeeper saying take care of him whatever more you spend i will repay when i come back and with which of these three now we're back to jesus which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers now you need to understand that what Jesus has done is, what Jesus always does a little rabbinical jujitsu here. He has turned the question around. See, the original question was, and who is my neighbor? That man, that lawyer, thought of the neighbor as a noun. But Jesus says this, which of these men, uh, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor he transforms here the word neighbor from a noun into a verb from a person into an action from a way of thinking into a way of living and that is the lesson he said to the man which do you think he said the one who showed him mercy clearly obviously and jesus said to him go and do likewise now, if I can be just honest for a minute, because we all know the story. But if Jesus is answering this in the question of who is my neighbor, let's let's observe a couple of things. Number one, this is wholly unnatural. Uh, Jews didn't associate with Samaritans, we're later told in the book of John. Uh, this was something outside of the boundaries. So Jesus is calling to love them that goes outside of a boundary. Secondly, it's inconvenient. This man had to stop going where he was going on a hard and difficult path from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's quite a treacherous route. It was known for for robbers and thieves staking out people who would wait to pounce on these people who are traveling, especially those who are traveling alone. Now, this man, going on his own journey, had to stop where he was going and intersect where another person was, not seeing that person as a problem, but as a person Who needed help. That's very inconvenient. I don't know if you've ever had the experience where you were headed somewhere. Maybe somewhere very important. Maybe someplace to like church. Maybe a church event. And you saw someone needing help. You could help them. It was within your power to do so. But something within you stopped you because you were headed to a better place. Because God had a moment of holy interruption and you failed to yield. Loving our neighbor is not only unnatural, but it is often inconvenient. It is interruptive to our lives and our plans. This is especially dangerous for a type A like me. If you're a type A, you know we have a, a to-do list. We have an agenda for the day. We have things to get done that will not happen unless we make them happen. And when God tries to wholly interrupt you, we often fail when it's time to obey. The third thing we note here is that this story shows us that love is costly. The man, the Samaritan, says that he had compassion. Now, now that word's kind of weird because there's a lot of people who have compassion, but they have compassion with other people's money. They they have compassion as long as it doesn't involve them. Uh, Even in American compassion, often, even though we mean well, what we tend to do is just Throw money at the problem instead of taking time with a person. That's the difference between compassion as Jesus explains it. He went to him. He bound up his wounds. This man is getting his hands dirty, probably bloody, as he bandages him up and and stops the bleeding and and tends to the bruises on this man who's been attacked, pouring on oil and wine, which is kind of of a um, first... uh, First century first aid kit, if you will, that travelers would often carry with them, and they used this to provide some temporary healing from the pain. Then he set up, set him up on his own animal. You, you realize that this man had been riding on that animal. Now he was reduced to walking because someone else who needed, who could not walk, was now riding on this animal, who was taking the tool that he had intended for himself and was now using for another person in the next uh, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. So the care did wasn't just on the roadside. He, he walked with this man, brought him to a place where they could let him lay in bed for a couple of days and heal. And then he tells the innkeep, he gives him two days' wages. Think about what your wage is typically for a day. Double that. Find a, a man who, who's on the side of the road who needs help. Stop, help him in whatever way he might need help. Take him to a local hotel and pay for two days of lodging. And in addition to that, tell the guy at the front desk, there's my credit card. There's my debit card. Whatever charges he racks up, they're mine. I've got them. If you need to run to the hospital, if you need to go to Walgreens to get some pharmaceutical, if you need to get some medicine, you just put it on that card and it'll be taken care of. It's audacious. It's audacious. Take care of him and whatever you spend, I will repay when I come back. So it's unnatural. It's inconvenient. It's costly. It's audacious. This is the kind of love that Jesus calls us to. And we need to understand that the second command is so greatly important. But may we not discount it because it's the second. Sometimes the second will cost us deeply. The first Cost him everything. The second seems to cost us everything. If we understand it, if we get it, the story is compelling. And the the command, the command is quite clear You, you don't have to to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to know the Koine Greek to get this concept, to understand what point Jesus is trying to make. It is hypocrisy, hypocrisy. To claim to love a God you cannot see, you cannot hear, whose voice you've never heard, and fail in showing love toward those you can see, can hear, and that you walk right by every single day. Remember, Jesus tore down all the boundaries. Some people would say, well, eh, that person's not my, eh, That person's not really my problem." Eh, I don't know. And Jesus said, listen, if you're in a position to help someone and they are near you, then that qualifies as a neighbor. You love them, you serve them in a way that will cost you greatly. The scripture that was read for you in First uh, John, John, the apostle of love, he hits us squarely between the eyes. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Seen. And anyone who gives this command, anyone who loves God, must also love their brother and sister. Jesus spoke that day. He taught people who would claim all day long that they were all in, that they loved God with all their heart and all their soul and all their mind and all their strength. But this second command is more challenging. These people who claimed to love this unseen God and memorized his word and studied and debated his word and thought about him and praised him uh, regularly gave to him thought in every way about how they might please him would walk right by their own brother or sister in need. And Jesus says that's hypocrisy. You cannot want the blessings of God without being willing to be a vessel for God. To show and to share that love that's been shown and shared to you. The challenge, the challenge of the story is this. It's in the last five words. You go and do likewise. The challenge, by the way, was not just for them. It's for us. That's why Luke put it in there. But... You and I, we want exposition, we want explanation, we want qualification. Don't you have any more points, preacher? Don't you have some more things I could write down in the handout? Don't you have some cute things I could say that would make this make more sense? And I I really don't. All I need from you and all I want from myself is that we are willing to show the same love to others that God has shown to us. Now, now I, I want to be careful when I just say about us, you say, well, we help people, we do things, we're, we're, and, and I know what we do, I'm not coming down on you, but, but can I say, this morning's message is about turning the circle. Yes, there are people inside the circle that need to know his love, his compassion, his mercy, his grace, sometimes a help in a physical, tangible way. And there's a whole lot of our neighbors that need to know that, too. They need to see space in the circle and space at the table to know that God's grace is for them as well. This is not chastisement on Northside. We do very good at loving. The challenge is to continually challenge ourselves to turn around and ask ourselves, In whose presence has God placed us? Where will God use you the other six days of the week? Where are you planted? Are you planted in Wichita, in Goddard, in Andale, in Andover, in Hayesville? Are you you up in Sedgwick or Valley Center or, or where, Bel Air? Where did God plant you and maybe see yourself as Being put where you've been put for a reason, where you live, where you work, where you go to school is for a reason. Did you ever, did you ever possibly think for just a minute that God put your locker where He put it because He needs a kid to know the love of Jesus and He thinks I got, I got Brian Weber in mind. I, I, I know he'll do it. I know he knows the right thing. I'm going to put him right here so every single day he's by that kid. That you go to a lunch hour that you're in for a reason that there are people. And I know, I know, I know. And believe me, it doesn't stop after this stage of life. I know there's so much. You want to be invited. You want to be a part of the group. You want to be at a table. You want to be loved. You want to be accepted. But everyone else does too. And Jesus says, please, just turn around in the circle and love the neighbor. Go and do likewise. The challenge is is the same for us. Jesus transforms our concept of neighbor from a a noun into a verb. And so this week, we've got a, a challenge for you, and I'm really excited about this challenge, and I hope that you take us up on this morning. Each family here is going to receive a gift we're going to do a sort of a reverse collection this morning, and you're like, "Yes, of all the days to be at church." Yeah. Now, there are some curmudgeons in the pews, and they're they're instantly becoming cynical and saying, "Well, goodness, Northside is sure a wash in money. They have so much of it; they don't even know they're just giving it away." You need to know. And hear me clearly. It's what's happening this morning is happening as a result of someone being moved in their heart. This is not from the church budget, in other words. This is not from the treasury. This is from a generous benefactor who is moved that wanted to see our people do something and love their neighbor as themselves. selves. And so because of that person's gift... You and I will have a tangible way to help bless someone else. So this morning, as we, re- as we do this reverse offering, you need to know there is no shame. For the first time in your life, there is no shame in taking money out of the plate. As the servers you can tell, are lined up. They have plates with envelopes. These plates are not for you to put something into, but rather for you to take Something out, we have about 400 envelopes. And it does say Northside on there, but just to be clear, this is not from Northside. They just used, they just used our envelopes. What's inside that envelope is a cash gift. Now, it's not a. Well, you, you want to know, don't you? How, how much is in there? Every envelope has $10,000 in it. <laughs> now, I've set you up for disappointment, haven't I? Good. Okay. Every envelope has between 4 and $15 in that envelope. It also has a piece of paper we want, and this is super important, we want each family to take an envelope. As you noted, I I said there's 400 envelopes. We have way more than 400 people here. This is a one envelope per family. So at this moment, while I'm talking, and some of you are on your phones anyway, go ahead and in the family group text, just, you know, whoever volunteers to take the envelope, just say, I got it. OK, so there's no confusion. If you get after service and the four of you have four envelopes, then three of you uh, bring those three envelopes either back to me or Greg, the treasurer, and we'll get them redirected. But one envelope per family. Before you open the envelope, we want you to go home. We want you to take intentional time together as a family and pray over how God You to use this gift to bless someone else this week. Now, again, I want to be really, really clear that you don't sort of pull the money out and say, well, let's just throw money at something. That's not what this is designed to do, okay? This is designed for you and your family. And and if you want to, you know, maybe join up with a prayer pal or something like that, but but talk together, pray together, and ask God to lead you to an opportunity to, to bless someone else and to share God's love. I'll, I'll give you an example, okay? Let's say that you receive an envelope that's $15, and, and you go home and you pray, we want to help somebody in the neighborhood, and you find out, that someone in in your neighborhood, someone on your street has a terrible family, you know, a death in the family or a tragic tragedy. And you could use that money and go to the store and buy the materials to make a meal and just bring that over to the neighbor and say, we want you to know that God loves you and that we love you. And, and maybe do like the FedEx girl did and stop and pray with them. That's one example. There's 10,000 examples I really want to encourage you to be creative in what you do. Remember, this is an outward focus. I know you're thinking right now, some of you are very perceptive. Well, I know somebody here. They're right over there. I could just, I could just deliver that money right to them. I know they've been having a hard time. Okay, those are good thoughts. But we're, we're missing the opportunity to transform the circle. I, my, my goal is that the envelopes, that have been donated, the contents thereof, would leave this place and bless and love and serve a neighbor, whoever that is in your world. So if you want to know, well, what if I only get $4 and I got a $20 project in mind? You are more than welcome to add your own funds. That's fine. But uh, if if you don't have extra funds, Mark Yakely volunteered, uh, just send him a text, and he'll send you a Venmo for whatever you need. So thank you, Mark, for that. Okay, after your family does this, what we would like you to do is for someone in your family to fill out the blank piece of paper, and there's two sides to it. And, and one side is what you did, and the other side is what impact it made. Okay. And when you write that down, And you don't have to put your name on it. Even if you did, we're not going to share. We're going to have this box out in the foyer called the Loving Others Challenge. And all I want this to be full of is those pieces of paper. Anonymous. I just want to know. I'd like to be able to share with the benefactor. Here's what your gift allowed to happen in God's name to show love to others. To show love to God's people. To show love by God's people and to our neighbors. So... That's where the box will be in the foyer. Look for that. As soon as you've d- taken that project, um, write it, fill out the p- piece of paper and put it in the box that you see in front of me there. Okay, servers, at this time, if you'll come forward and take your normal positions, we'll pass the plates. Again, please take one envelope per family, and take us up on the challenge to do that this week. As we pass the plates, Mark's going to lead us in a song.
1: Love one another, for love is of God. He who loves is born of God, and those he who does not love.
0: side family, just to, as a matter of logistics, is there any family or person that didn't receive an envelope that would like one? All right, now, your challenge this week is to go and do likewise, Uh, not just to throw money at a problem, but to use the money as an opportunity to share God's love, God's purpose with a person, you get to be the gift to bless someone else and to share and to show God's love with others. So may you use this gift in a manner that brings back glory, not to you, not to Northside, but to the Lord. And now we're going to pray, and I want to pray, and and before we pray, I want to ask you to be thinking as we pray of the person, the neighbor, the stranger you pass by every day, the lady in the cashier line, the, the neighbor that you've been, know, has struggling, the coworker that just seems to never catch a break. I want you to be thinking about all those possibilities and ask God to lay on your hearts and our hearts how we might go about living the second command. Now pray with me, please. Lord in heaven, our desire is to love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength and as challenging as that is, it's really small in comparison to all the ways that you've loved us, how you've shown your love throughout throughout the entire story, but especially When you showed us through your son who lived a perfect life, who died an atoning death, that we might know the hope of forgiveness of sins. Father, when we consider that gift, uh, our gifts are, are really, as the prophet said, just a pile of of dirty rags. Lord, it's even more challenging with our neighbors. We make excuses in our own mind. We. Uh, Come up with reasons why we shouldn't help them, and we forget that maybe you have placed them in our path for a purpose. This morning, I know there have been many hearts and minds thinking about who they might bless and how they might use this gift to bless others. Father, as those their faces pass in front of our mind's eye, as their, their names come to our ear, Father... Make it clear this week who that is that you're calling these families to love. And Father, may we go above and beyond. May we think creatively. May we stop like the Samaritan did. May we, may we interrupt our plans. May we take it upon ourselves, even if it costs us something, to show love to another. Father, in doing that, we're reminded of how greatly you loved us and how great a cost you paid for us. I pray that you guide our, the conversations that follow, the prayers that follow. Work, Father. We, we ask, we implore your spirit to work in, in each of our lives. And may we show and share your love just as you've shown it to us. We praise you, Father. And we thank you for your son, the greatest gift we have ever known and it's in his name we pray amen this morning uh, I will point you to John chapter 316 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life there is there is no doubt in my mind that God loves you there should be no doubt in yours as well he gave a gift for you Far more costly than all the money the world has to offer. He gave his only son to die for your sin and my sin. The question is not, does he love us? The question is, do we love him? And the the sub-question of that is, how does he know? How have we shown him? May this week and the weeks to come be full of us overflowing with the love he showed to us. Jesus said in John 14:15, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. This morning, if you are not in Jesus, and you say, well, I believe in Jesus. OK, then do what he said to do. Jesus said very clearly, uh, if you want eternal life, you must believe and be baptized. And if you haven't done that this morning, uh, then you, your, your love is short. <laughs> you haven't shown him. And if you're ready to show him this morning, we'd love to help you with that. And maybe you've been following Jesus, but you've been stumbling in some way. and You need our prayers and our encouragement and our help. And you know what? That's what we're here to do at Northside. We're here to help everyone wherever they are in their journey with the Lord. If we can help you in any way to come to Christ, to know Christ, to be obedient to the gospel, or to grow in him, to repent of sin or in any other way, please come as together we stand and sing.